Right to repair, a challenging labor market, rising input prices. To say the least, all of agriculture is dealing with interesting times. We get some perspective from a respected industry source. Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. The list of issues impacting farmers today sometimes may feel like piling on. Putting those hot issues into perspective can provide guidance for the future. Jackie Fatka, Farm Progress Policy Editor, talked recently with Kurt Covington, Senior Director of Institutional Credit and Commodities at Ag America. He's been a popular speaker at the Farm Futures Summit and is respected as an industry analyst. Jackie caught up with Covington and their discussion ventured widely across many topics. He offers insight on the push to right to repair and what that means for agriculture. Then he delves into the labor issues and how that's impacting agriculture from farm to fork. There's also a look at input prices. And finally, he shares some added issues he's also watching. I did say he covers a lot of territory. Well, I am here with Kurt Covington, who is the Senior Director of Institutional Credit and Commodities at Ag America. He's one of our favorite speakers who is often at our Farm Futures Summit and a great insight on lots of different things. And we're going to talk about some different topics today. And first, we're just going to jump in recently here. And this has been a topic that's been talked about a lot by this administration with the right to repair. And Senator Tester introduced a bill that would give farmers some new rights when it comes to how they can repair their equipment. So, Kurt, maybe give me some of your insight on what you think this bill would do for farmers and does it fix some of the concerns that we've been hearing about? Oh, well, thank you, Jackie. So um, my answer would be uh, this is a good thing. It's about time. Uh, You know, farmers have enough things to worry about in their life, right? Uh, Weather, commodity prices, labor, input costs. To get this bill passed, I think would be a real bonus for farmers. The challenge has always been, particularly with newer equipment, obviously, is that the manufacturers have controlled the ability to repair that equipment. So you might be out 200 miles from your nearest dealership. And if something goes wrong or something breaks down primarily with the technology in that piece of equipment, you really don't have a choice but to deliver it back to that dealership. You have downtime. Uh, you have additional costs related to that. And as a general rule of thumb, going back to the dealership is probably going to be more expensive than being able to either repair it yourself or find a local technician who would be authorized to repair that equipment. So um, I think it's a good thing. And for that bill to pass, I also think would reduce the cost to farmers. And in turn, I think that the, the ag lenders, lenders like ourselves, would see that as a good thing in terms of being able to control their cost of operation. You know, what's your thoughts on, uh, is this is this the right regulatory approach within this bill? I know sometimes uh, we, we have grand plans when it comes to legislation and then when it's actually in effect, it, it maybe is, is too much or too little. Uh, do you think this, this strikes the right balance of what farmers could actually use and be able to still protect that technology that the, the equipment manufacturers have invested into their, their technology? Sure. Well, you know, the same kind of technology that you see in tractors 
and um, harvesting equipment. It's uh, the same type of technology you might find in a car. And sometimes you have technology in a car and you don't have to go back to the dealership to get that technology fixed. So is this the right approach? It would be nice if the manufacturers uh, and the end users and the dealers could come to an agreement as to how this is going to be dealt with outside of legislative um, you know, action. And so is it the best approach? Probably not. But ultimately, I think this is probably serving the best of both worlds. You know, a lot of issues going on in the countryside and impacting farmers. Uh, I know another thing that you have been watching is some of the issues with the supply chain. And uh, there's obviously some different things that are going on there. Uh, what what do you see as some important developments when it comes to addressing some of the supply chain constraints, whether that's at the ocean uh, the rail or even the truck, what what do you see as some of the bright spots and maybe some of the issues that we're still facing within the supply chain sector right now? Well, at least from a supply chain issue, obviously there's, we could spend a lot of time talking about that. Obviously at the ports, there needs to be some action to get those ports cleared up. You know, this the and I was just out in California not too long ago. It's the the coastline is, for the lack of a better term, is kind of littered with uh, freighters waiting to get unloaded at these ports and something needs to be done to get dealt with that. And I think administrative action to get this moving is really important as to deal with probably the most pressing issue outside of the ports is the trucking side. And, you know, there are, you know, I think you have to break this down into two components. Number one, I think there's plenty of trucks out there. There just doesn't seem to be plenty of truck drivers. And I think the second component of this is it appears that long haul um, trucking seems to be easier to contract than it is for local hauls. So somebody that maybe needs to get their product off the farm to the processor if they don't have their own trucks or it needs to get from the local farm to, you know, some local terminal. That seems to be the bigger issue. And a lot of that is is because these truckers, um, you know, potentially have found other opportunities in the marketplace. Right. Whether that be in the construction side or other other other, um, you know, ventures. But from my perspective, I think that local haul is, is a really big issue. The long haul side seems to be probably in better shape. You know, when it comes to that short haul, those local hauls, is that an opportunity for ag ag people who are looking to diversify their income? A lot of a lot of farmers have CDLs or folks who are on their payrolls that are able to make some of that. Is that an opportunity to to diversify and look at some of those local hauls and, and shorter runs in the trucking industry to fill that need and also diversify income for farmers? Yeah, good, good question. So when you talk to farmers that already have their own trucking operations, most of them will tell you, you know, we're able to get our product to market, whatever that might be. Uh, but when you talk to these small farmers who maybe are relying on these short haul truckers, is it an opportunity for someone to step in and maybe fill that gap? I would say yes, but the, there are two problems that come with that. One is being able to you know, purchase trucks and or trailers. Uh, and to get them in a timely basis and then to find drivers for that. So I think uh, 
you know, maybe in what would be considered the off season, certainly a small farming operation could start up a trucking business and do it on a contract basis for other local farmers in the area. But it's a bit of a challenge just getting the equipment and getting the labor to do that. Um, but but certainly could be an opportunity. In fact, we've seen a little bit of that where farming, you know, farming operations that do have trucking businesses have contract, contracted out when they have the availability for their trucks to be used um, in the local communities. Yeah, you know, I've got a local farmer. He he worked with a steel a steel plant, and I mean, he he had a truck, and they do these overnight hauls where they would take some of the stuff to different places all over the country. But uh, yeah, in the off season, it was a nice income boost uh, that they were able to to manage with with the off season, and yeah, maybe a an opportunity there for those farmers who are familiar with trucking and comfortable with trucking and obviously a a big shortage of truckers right now across the country in different segments. Um, Yeah, you you bet. You bet. You know, as as you look at, uh, you know, I I live in the world of policy, so I cover this all the time, but, but on the ag side, what policy do you see that is negatively impacting farmers right now as they come in are, are there certain things that are actually creating more headwinds for them from the policy side that makes it harder for ag lenders to go ahead and, and approve those loans and make sure that they've got the money that they need to do their business? Yeah, for, I would say trade policy is really important and short of getting into all the details around that. I think trade policy uh, has something that we need um, to work harder at. The challenge has always been, and it depends on the part of the country that you're in and what commodity you're dealing with, but whether it be in the Midwest or the West Coast, there are certain commodities where up to 80% of that, almonds is maybe a good example, 80% of that crop is exported. And trade policy as it relates, and again, it's a specialty crop, I get it, it's not corn, it's not soybeans, it's not cattle, but it provides an economic boost for the Western growers. And so um, I think trade policy is really important in that area for Midwest growers. Clearly, uh, trade policy, I think, is is something that that really needs to be worked on uh, in this administration. You know, we're hearing a lot of noise about that, but we're not hearing a lot of movement from this administration for sure. This is an interesting trade approach that they've taken and a lot of focus on enforcement, but not a lot of focus on on looking outward, even even after we saw record exports in 2021 uh, for the ag industry, we, st- we still have a lot of product that needs to go out and we need to have a proactive approach to how to, to get all those products around the world for sure. Well, you, you raise a good point and that is uh, whether you're having a proactive or reactive approach to this. Uh, there are a number of opportunities in the export markets um, enhancement programs that would help farmers pretty much in all commodities, if you really think about it. And so I think taking, again, a more of a proactive approach to how can we get more of this product exported to our export partners is is going to be, from my perspective, one of the things that would be very, very helpful for the farm sector. You know, as you are looking at other issues impacting farmers, uh, another one that that is important policy implications is with labor and some of the labor shortages. Uh, do you see any good things on the horizon when it comes to the labor situation, or is that going to continue to hinder farmers' ability to stay profitable and, and be able to continue to farm at the levels that that they 
want to. Yeah, so finding finding good qualified employees continues to be a problem. The current administration over the last several months and going perhaps almost a year now has decided to compensate individuals for not going to work, which is kind of how this policy is, has continued to evolve, makes it very difficult for farmers to find qualified employees who are willing to go out there and work. Uh, and so we've kind of created this disincentive for, you know, potential candidates for really good high paying jobs to go out and get those jobs. And so uh, it, it, it kind of depends on the part of the country you're in, but obviously when you're dealing with, um, you know, the, the commoditized crops, corn, soybeans, you know, the labor demands are important, but they're not as important as it is in the specialty crops. So I was just visiting with a large specialty crop grower out west and, you know, who who employs during their peak season upwards of 300 to 400 people during the harvest. The challenge is, is that um, you've got a a, an interesting um, split in that population, the older uh, employees who, had, you know, the, 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 the part-time harvest contracted employees continue to come back, continue to work hard and continue to come back year after year. The younger generation have a lot of opportunities to do other things. And so it's been a challenge to find younger uh, workers to come into the workforce. So I would only say this, from those crops that require a large um, need and supply of labor during the harvest, the only solution that many of these growers are seeing is paying higher and higher wages. And as you pay higher and higher wages and provide benefits where maybe you didn't provide those in the past, certainly gets the employees through the door. But the challenge with that is, it starts raising the input cost for the average farmer. If you look as, you know, my final comment about this is you look at California where ultimately the challenges have been, they continue to raise the minimum wage beyond on affordable costs for the farmers up to the point where it'll be $15 and then reducing the number of hours that farm labor can work in the field any given day just continues to add to the cost and reduce the profitability of many of those crops that continue to be farmed out there. And ultimately it raises the cost to the consumer. There's, there's always that, that balance that has to be accomplished that sometimes is, is hard to find when it comes to that, that race to, to increase wages, but also make sure that you're profitable. Um, you know, anything else that you see uh, on the ag lending side that maybe is a, uh, you know, heading into 2022 is is kind of a bigger headwind than maybe you had originally thought? Obviously, we've had a lot of talk about inflation and different things coming into this year. But what do you see as the biggest headwinds for farmers who are coming in and, and talking with their ag lenders about how to manage this this year? Yeah, so I would say input costs, regardless, and I guess you could say labor as an input cost as well, but fertilizer, chemicals, fuel, all those costs are going up. But the one thing that we we tend to talk about but don't really recognize the implication is rising interest rates. We're seeing short and long-term rates that are starting to creep up a bit in the treasury markets. And so while it doesn't necessarily immediately affect long-term rates and, and have such an impact on long-term rates, if you raise short-term rates, 
a half or 1%, that banker is having to charge 1% higher to that farmer. And that's going to cut significantly into the profitability of those businesses. So I'm going to keep a close eye on where short-term rates go and long-term rates as well. But the first sign will be, uh, you know, margins that continue to get squeezed as a result of higher interest rates and much higher input costs. Makes for a, a little bit more heartburn these days for a lot of farmers. So, well, Kurt, it's always great talking with you. You have uh, such great knowledge on many different aspects of, of the ag industry. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk today. Always a pleasure, Jackie. Thank you. As I said, Covington explored many issues. Thanks to Jackie Fatka for connecting with Kurt Covington, Senior Director of Institutional Credit and Commodities at Ag America. His insights do add perspective to what is shaping up to be another interesting year. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands, as well as farm futures, beef, national hog farmer, and feedstuffs. And our events include the Farm Progress Show, Husker Harvest Days, and the New York Farm Show. And there's another opportunity for staying connected to Farm Progress using your smartphone. If you text FARM to 20505, you can sign up for the Farm Futures mobile text service. When you send the first message, you will get a confirmation, so be sure to respond to that too to get on the list. You can even eventually join the Farm Progress panel to share your insights with our regular polls. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening.